Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Are you a startup? Wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions, and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of You Wear It Well. And on today's show, I have two very special guests, Emil and Mark, and they're here to tell you about a pretty fascinating device that they have. But who better than to say what this device is and what it does than these two guys. So Emil and Mark, the show is yours. Thank you for having us. We met at the ACRM conference back in November of 2023, where we were exhibiting the Steady2 technology, which is the, tech, the device that we have designed to reduce hand tremors and essential tremor. It's currently in the market. And you also got a glimpse of our first prototype of the Steady3. The Steady3 is a the next version of our technology, it's aiming to target essential tremor and Parkinson's disease. We're very excited to roll it out in the last quarter of 2024 and are working towards getting testing started very, very soon. Something that we've been very excited about too is that we're actively fundraising. We have been raising funds to help speed it up and expand the company as rollout strategy for the Steady3. And just to take a step back and discuss how this company came to fruition, both Mark and I, we met in 2014 as neighbors through a mutual friend. And to hang out a couple of times, we both realized that we have tremors in our families. We realized how debilitating they have been for our family members and decided to further explore the market. We realized that the solutions that were available were just not good enough. We realized that uh, there were better ways to explore 
options for that market. And uh, we decided to implement some pretty traditional solutions in an untraditional way. I'll hand it over to Mark to discuss the first strategy that we use for product development. Thanks, Emil, for that. And it's really interesting. When you get started and you just you just start getting on the path to building a solution for a real-world problem and starting a company, that comes as associated with a lot of challenges. So uh, when Emil and I decided to get started, I'll just fill you in on my background. My background is in structural engineering, civil engineering. So, you know, in my studies, I, you know, we always learn how to stabilize buildings against wind and earthquakes. We're in advanced dynamics. And when I honed in on this problem, I started to connect those dots. A tremoring hand can be similar to a tremoring building, mathematically at least. So I started tinkering with those ideas. And there's this solution they use in buildings called tuned mass dampers. It's this mass attached to a spring. And whenever a building vibrates, you know, the mass moves in opposition to that. So we thought that's a fantastic starting point for us, right? So, you know, we built some numerical models. We started evaluating some basic prototypes with fair results. It needed a lot of work. But looking at the challenges at startup, if you have a basic prototype that you think has good function, you know, your, your first challenge is going to be really to get funding, a first piece of funding that's going to help you start your development journey. That's challenge one. And of course, there are lots of grant programs available that'll help you with that. I mean, we're first time founders. So going straight after investors and things like that, we weren't ready for that at that stage. So that was certainly the first challenge. And thankfully, in, in Toronto and Ontario, as well as in, in the U.S., there are lots of fantastic grant opportunities to start off. And that, for anyone starting a company, that's where you should be looking. And that's the, the beginning for you. And I'll say that the R&D challenges, they don't really stop. The, their nature just changes. You know, in the beginning, a lot of mistakes that engineers make, even I was guilty of that at the start, you just jump into solutions mode before really understanding the problem you have at hand. We were developing solutions for tremors, you know, in the first two years based on a misunderstanding of tremors. Tremors vary wildly in frequency and in direction. It's a combination of movements rather than just one or two movements. It's a really complex uh, biomechanical problem. And uh, we didn't understand that problem well enough to build a solution that was appropriate for it. So as a mistake to avoid, if you have a hundred minutes to solve a problem, spend 95 of them understanding that problem because your five minutes spent on building a solution, it's going to be much more effective. You know, it took us years to get there. I mean, we finally have really excellent solutions for tremors, but that would save you a lot of time. And naturally when you're building a medical device and you're looking for, obviously you're looking to penetrate a market and expand internationally. That's going to come with a whole host of other challenges. The, the challenges don't stop at every stage. They just change in nature. And when you, let's assume that you reached a point where you've developed a solution that you've tested with your patients and they're loving it. You have to build a rollout plan and a go-to-market strategy that is appropriate for your product. So Jeff, I can go into the different challenges at every stage. But, you know, feel free to jump in if there's anything you want to know more about or you think uh, the listeners would love to learn more about. We'd love to expand on that. I want to ask a, a question about the whole structural engineer. That's really yeah. unique. You just, in this field of wearables, 
structural engineers, you just generally don't hear them being part of that. It's usually biomedical engineers, computer engineers. That's right. You've got every other engineer, but a structural engineer. So I'm going to bounce this over to Emil. Okay. So Emil, so you guys are neighbors and you guys come together and, oh yeah, we have people with tremors. Well, tell me a little bit about your background too, but what were you thinking? Because to me, now that Mark said that, a structural engineer is ideal for this situation. But yes. you, yeah, this is the first time we've come across this. So Emil, talk a little bit about that meeting and then talking and then give a little bit about your background too. And then did you have any qualms like structural engineer? You guys put together buildings and bridges. What could we possibly do with a structural engineer? But it's brilliant, which I didn't know that when we were at the conference. So now I'm, I'm double tickled with this in, as far as how this thing got started. We got a structural engineer. It's Eureka. You, yeah. You've got somebody to step on, to step right into this project and like run with it. So let's hear your point. In every company, there needs to be a, a business development person that matches the product development efforts or else the product will never see the light of day. And that's exactly what I bring to the table. I've been working with Mark for the past couple of years on marketing management, operations, finance, to really marry his efforts to take a product to market. We've done it twice now. During that time, I also acquired a master's degree. I did an MBA at Cornell and Queens. Uh, it was a cross-border program. And the most exciting day, I would say, in the, in the beginning of the journey was going over to the first support group meeting for essential Trevor sufferers and trying the device with them and garnering their feedback, doing our first round of market research with them. First, it was an unparalleled feeling to see the look on their faces when we walked into the room with our device saying, this is going to help you. And research will help a lot, but in our space, there isn't a lot of research out there. You really can't compare the research papers out there to the feedback that we got from our first time users some of which have gone along the journey with us and have tried Steady 1 with us. They were beta users there, Steady 2, and are going to be beta users for the Steady 3. It's awesome that we are connected to the community, and I've done my best to make sure that that's how we continue to grow this company. That's a really good point, Emil. I do research for companies in my own physical therapy practice, and I tell you, patients... People that have pain, tremors, whatever, they're probably some of your best participants or subjects. I don't know if you can find better people, more compliant, more happy, more excited than those folks that are actually suffering with it and are actually in support groups or coming into a clinic for, for treatments versus pulling people into the university level, pulling them into the labs at the university. Nothing against that because universities, a lot of times that's their first go-to. You guys really hit it very succinctly by going straight to the population. And I think your point of making it easier to pull in information at that point is well taken. Uh, and I think that's a huge amount of advice for somebody out there. So Emil, when you first met Mark, did you think the structural engineering thing was, what is this? Is, is this really going to work? Or like Eureka, this is the type of engineer to work on something to stop the seismic activity of the neuromuscular system. We want to use the, use the engineering term here for that. So what was your impression? Yeah, I grew up around a lot of general contractors and structural engineers, and so I, I could relate, but I by no means was I trained as an engineer. Fortunately, I had siblings that were, 
and they were able to help me tie the knots, connect the dots. I, off the bat, I knew we were onto something and working with Mark has been nothing short of a pleasure along the years. We've been very fortunate to get along with one another and have no fallouts. It's that's something that's, you know, when you start a company within the first three years, there is always some challenge between the founders and it could lead to the end of the company. We've seen it time and time again. And we're very, very grateful for the fact that uh, we've been able to steer that ship away yeah. from any of these hindrances. Yeah, completely. And Jeff, I mean, you know, to just to highlight that as well, I think if there's someone trying to start a company and they want to find a co-founder, I think that it's critical. This is how I see the, the ratio when, you, when you're getting started, 20% about what you can do and 80% about how well you get along. Because the truth is what you can do, you know, you'll learn new skills and you're, you'll expand on your, uh, on your knowledge base and, and how you do things. But how you get along is, is much more important. And that's the truth because co-founders have to have each other's backs and stick together when times get tough. That's one thing. Another thing is too, Jeff, you know, when we started, we didn't start with this sort of blinkers on, on what the solution should be, right? I just knew that leveraging my vibrations knowledge is going to lead to a solution that's appropriate. So that's what it was. When you start with blinkers on, you know, this is what we're doing, this is the solution, that then then we start to run into problems. But it was really about starting that journey. And most importantly, like Emil said, everything has to be designed around the patient. It's through our interviews with patients that we began to understand the problem more and more and understand how the solution has to be in order to meet their requirements. That was such a critical part of the whole operation. All right, just to add to that, it's, it's not like we didn't go out of our way to interview other stakeholders like uh, neurologists, occupational therapists, um, the payers, the insurance companies, and so on. But what we found is that but we garnered so much great feedback from patients through collaborations with tremor foundations or collaborations with local essential tremor support groups that we really understood the problem from there perspective and it helped a lot with product development along the way what we learned from it's not to discount what we learned from the other stakeholders but we were taking a swing at being the first to market in a very challenging market when we started this company there was not a lot of research out there and we really had to navigate through which papers were comparable to our market and which ones were not and the patients really helped us get to that end goal. I think it's a really good point that both of you brought up here is that you want to use your experience very quickly, very, very quickly. Some companies end up tripping up because they put user experience later on in the process. Well, look, I have this great prototype, and then they go back to the drawing board because people that were using it that had the problems that well, this is too hard to wear, it's bulky. It doesn't right. do what it was supposed to. So kudos to you for going to the UX mode very quickly. I'm going to turn the focus now into the more technical aspect. And sure. Mark, without, of course, giving away your secret sauce, uh, yeah. talk about initially, what were some of the things you were thinking about in taking your structural engineering career and then applying it to a physiological mechanism in the human body, the human building? And was it a big leap for you or were you surprised that it was easier than you thought it would be? 
certainly wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. It was just as hard as I expected. But the truth is, I was incredibly excited to just marry those two that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a painful process, I would say. So I'll just describe how I was approaching this and, and how it evolved. So when we look at systems and structural engineering, it's mainly to understand how vibrations behave. And once you have that, you can start trying out different types of solutions. So one of the first prototypes I built was a simple piston and cylinder damper. It was the simplest solution you can come up with for vibration absorption. That was the first thing I just tested just to see what would happen. And eventually, as my understanding of the problem grew, as did the, uh, the solution. So it eventually evolved into using dynamics. So essentially a mass that's moving against the vibration. And then it further evolved. And how do we make it perfectly tuned to varying tremors? Very complex. You know, tremors change in speed and in directions with every movement. So we had to really tailor a very special new class of stabilization systems that, that target that. And what it eventually evolved to is using magnetics. So instead of using a simple spring, which is a linear mechanism, meaning if you, uh, if you take a spring and you, you move it by, um, you know, uh, a distance X, you know, the force profile is linear, right? The force increases linearly with distance. I know this may be getting a bit too, uh, too into the, into the technical aspect, but when you take a spring, a magnetic spring, You've played with magnets before, everyone has. When you have two repulsive magnets and you approach them together, the force increases exponentially as you approach the, the other magnet. So that's what we use instead of springs. And what that resulted in is, uh, you know, a system that's targeting a wider range of frequencies rather than just one, which is what you see in structural engineering. That was the aha moment when we realized that using magnetics will allow us to target a broad range of frequencies and tremors. And that was a really exciting moment. And, and to tell you, Jeff, the way we iterate uh, products quickly, we built a, and you've seen this rig at the conference, we built a machine that resembles a human arm. It's a perfect biomechanical replica of a human arm. And we force it to vibrate at different frequencies to mimic tremors and test our systems on it. So you will instantly see if your solution is effective or not for this problem. I remember that very well. As I was approaching the table from the next table, <laughs> and I looked over and I thought, look at that. It caught my, my attention right away. Yeah. And I went, I was like a magnet up to Emil, like, hey, tell me <laughs> about this. This is incredible. I mean, it did. I may have acted like a 12-year-old kid, Emil, and if, if I did, go ahead and you can tell the <laughs> listeners. I'm not going to be embarrassed about it. I was excited, too. To see that, it caught my imagination, yeah. and I started to look at asking questions, and now you're on the podcast. But I think <clears> that's, <throat> I'm going to say just from an outside observer, forget the fact that I've, I've been a therapist probably forever, I was taken in by watching that, and you can see the mechanical part of it being the solution, and that's what was really interesting is that you often don't see that it's wrapped up inside of plastic or metal or but this you could see and it was amazing to do that 
it was something that it just, I kept thinking about it through the conference. I even came back a couple other times, waved to a meal, <laughs> took a quick peek at it. And so it was something that I was fascinated with. It, it, it almost seemed to me like this, there's a mechanical solution and it, it's right there before your eyes. Now, I know it wasn't so easy for you, Mark, but what you've done is in, in putting it in that we'll call it advertising mode, really, yeah. it brings home the point. I, I think that's really what I want to try yeah, to get across here. Because it was like one of these wow moments for me to see something like that. It was just like, that's ingenious. But look at that. There it is. It's working. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties. Pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest. For more information, go to www.spectrum ergonomics.com for more information. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. Dot com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology. And may you wear it well.